If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. This week we're so lucky to be joined by award-winning audiobook narrator, the legendary Andy Arndt. Andy, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting a bit colder at this time, as uh, as is most of us in the Northern Hemisphere. But yeah, it's uh, doing all right nonetheless. Thank you so much for joining. It's uh, yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so as is tradition on the show, would you be able to tell us a little about your background and how you came into the world of audiobook narration? Well, uh, I often mention an old, old TV commercial where there's somebody walking down the street with a, an open jar of peanut butter, as as one does, and <laughs> and somebody else walking down the street with a bar of chocolate and they they crash into each other and the Reese's peanut butter cup is born. So um, nice. I sort of came to audiobook narration from a background of both radio and theater. And when I realized that the experience I had in radio and the experience I had in theater, both teaching and performing, um, knitted together perfectly for audiobooks, um, I just, uh, I felt like I found the sweet spot career-wise and off I went. Yeah, fair enough. So it was like, kind of, you mentioned your theatre background. Was sort of performing always on the cards for you then? Was that something you always had interest in pursuing? Yeah, it was the first thing that I, besides music, that, mm. you know, as a child, as whenever there was a class play or a school play or, you know, in, in college, you know, I had the opportunity to direct and and also perform. I just loved that magical space that the actors created on the stage and I was one of those people who as soon as I saw theater I wanted to just go up there and be part of it. Nice. You mentioned the blend there um, of all the different sort of uh, you know kind of roles that you were interested in merging together and and that's where you found all of it so um, was it that kind of um, productions were you interested in that kind of production side as well as well as performing of, of, of producing an audio but was that interest there? Yes, um, I think the experience that I had producing theater um, dovetailed quite well with mm. then producing audiobooks, but it took uh, Bill DeFries, the late Bill DeFries, who was a wonderful mm. producer and mentor, um, to tell me one day, you know, he had, he had cast me on something that had a number of, um, of narrators. Mm. And so I communicated with my co-narrators and I explained, you know, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Um, and he said, "Hey, you're you know, you're doing my job." Like, but he meant it in a in a. I see this in you, you know. Yeah. And I took note of that and thought, well, if that's if that's actually all it takes to be an audiobook producer, yeah, sign me up because this is not all that difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So narration, coaching, running various courses, there's so much for you to juggle. I'd, I'd love to know how you structure your day. Are you a person who relies heavily on, like, say, a strict routine? In terms of the week, yes. In terms of the day, not as much. Um, okay. There are things that I try to include in every day, getting out for a walk, um, hmm. or I listen to maybe some business podcasts or, some, or an audiobook, right? Yeah. And you know, being mindful of not um, waiting too long between meals. So there's this sort of like tent poles of the day. Yeah. 
but I do as a creative person, I like every day to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so it's more a matter of what, what is the goal for today in terms of, you know, what, what coaching appointments do I have? How much of the book I'm working on do I need to finish so that it's not all on one day? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, so it's more, um, what is the expression that I sometimes use? It's not a routine, it's rituals. So when okay. I go out to the booth, there's a ritual of, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I have my water, I have, I kind of set up the environment that I need to really settle into the flow of narration. Yeah. And then uh, by the same token, when I'm finished for the day, how do I feel like I've kind of closing things up and putting it away until the next day? I do like a sense of opening and closing ritual, but not definitely not routine. Okay, that's really interesting. I love it because because it is creative. That make, that mixture of you know the creative work when you when you you know behind the microphone, but then also the business aspect of it and making sure that the work gets done. That can be often quite um, tough to sort of mix, can't it? You know, with, with creativity and how you work, it can be kind of tough to mix the two. Absolutely, and there's the there's the manager of me. There's the manager me, and then there's yeah. the creative me that needs room to play. Yeah. Which one would you say out of the, you know, the business hat and the creative hat, which one comes more naturally to you, would you say? Oh, gosh. I think they've sort of come up together, I have to say. I've gotten more conscious of when I am wearing which hat and trying not to do both at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. One of the genres that you've had incredible success in is, of course, romance. What is it about romance as a genre that draws you in as a performer? Oddly enough, the the genre sort of found me. Okay. Um, there's something about my voice. I sound younger than I am. Um, and my sensibility, because the, the heroine in a romance, in some ways, is the avatar of the, of the listener, who's much more likely to be a woman, um, not, not exclusively, but you know, on yeah. average, uh, romance listeners are predominantly women. And those women need to be able to enter the story through the, the female narrator. Um, and so the male co-narrator, if I have one, mm. is a bit more the fantasy. And so I guess there's something about my sound, my sensibility, that allows the listeners to identify with me and yeah. feel like, oh, I could be in this story and kind of enter the story through me. So the first time I was offered a romance, um, an explicit romance, uh, was by Bill DeFries. So, you know, it's the Bill DeFries episode. If anybody listening doesn't know who he was, uh, he passed away several years ago. He had cancer. Um, but he really was instrumental in helping me establish my career. And he sent me a romance by Kylie Scott. And it was the first book in her stage dive series that explores um, as four books and four members of a rock band, right? Okay. Yeah. And he sent it to me. Hey, see what you think about this. Do you want to do this? And I was just starting to look through the script. And he wrote again, oh, uh, I just want to tell you, I thought this was sort of a teenage thing, but this is definitely not a teenage thing. Like, make sure you're okay with this. Yeah. Let me know if you want to use another name. And I read through those scenes and I thought, mm, I don't know, I'm okay with this and we can use my name. 
And that was a fateful decision because that series just took off. Yeah. And listeners started really, you know, wanting more of me with romance. And I said yes to it. Fantastic. Now, producing, because obviously you've, you've produced a lot of, you've narrated a lot of romance, but you've also produced a lot of romance um, audiobooks with lyric audiobooks. Um, and then I wanted to ask you about that, how that came about, but also Audio in Colour, um, a pursuit that you co-founded with Nana Malone. Could you tell us a little bit more about Audio in Colour and, and, and lyric audiobooks? Yeah, um, so Audio in Colour is a grant program that's part of lyric audiobooks. Um, I founded Lyric Audiobooks almost exactly eight years ago. It would have been November 11th of 2014 is uh, the business anniversary. So it's about to be eight years old. And actually, um, that's a timely question because just in September of this year, um, I stepped back into the founder role Mm -hmm. and Katie Robinson, one of our producers, stepped into the executive producer role. So now... The company is Katie's baby, um, and I am staying on as a narrator and a consultant. Okay. And it's, you know, the enthusiasm of her beginning her chapter with Lyric Audiobooks is super exciting for me. Yeah. Um, and Audio in Color is a program that started with um, Nana Malone had uh, an Instagram challenge for her followers that she called the Brown Nipple Challenge. And she was basically saying, you know, this is shorthand for a representation in audiobooks of characters of color, mm-hmm. you know, being tired of having all nipples described as pink <laughs> because not all <laughs> nipples are pink. And so she called it the Brown Nipple Challenge. And every time she would post another book, I would naturally go, where's the audio? Where's the audio? Where's the audio? I can't find an audiobook for this book. And so we started talking about how audiobooks are are very expensive to get that first book that Mm -hmm. kind of establishes a foothold and can earn back and then start earning positive net gains for the author Mm -hmm. so that they can continue to produce more audiobooks Mm -hmm. so very often it's that first one that's just so expensive it gets put off so it's not that the author doesn't want to do it but the money's not all there at one time and so Um, Katie and Nana and I approached um, a funder that we thought would be open to um, supporting this grant program. And it was at the height of the post George Floyd, um, Black Lives Matter, you know, that first big um, bloom of that where the publishing industry started to realize it had some culpability in excluding authors of color and, um, and that indie authors of color did not have the same opportunities as white romance authors and indie authors. We asked this funder to support our idea and they said yes. And they came back with um, enough funding for six titles. And then we did a a GoFundMe when we announced those six titles. um, We had to do a GoFundMe because the response from the listeners was only six. You know, how do we contribute to this? Yeah. So we started a GoFundMe and raised enough for two more books. Um, and we had a grant application process and we chose our eight authors. Those um, titles have now all been produced and released and all but one has already earned out. So those authors are already getting the seed money for future audiobooks and Fantastic. are producing. Yeah, so it achieved its goal um, by and large. 
And so now we are pursuing funding for a second round because, um, you know, we, we don't want it just to be a one-time thing. We want it yeah. to be an ongoing program. So we're in the middle of um, funding a second round right now. Fantastic. How do um, how do people keep up to date with this? Is that is that like a newsletter or or anything that people can sign up to 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 keep in the loop? Yes, uh, lyricaudiobooks.com um, has a link to sign up for the newsletter, and that comes out every so often with news about all of our authors, uh, as well as this grant program. There is a Facebook page. There is um, an Instagram account. That's probably where Lyric is most active. Um, we've just hired a new social media manager who's really setting things on fire. So I would say between the newsletter and the Instagram account. What I'll do is um, I'll make sure to link everything uh, in the description of these show notes so people can check that out. Um, but that sounds fantastic. Now, another platform you have set up is Narrator.life, um, a platform offering tremendous resources for the industry. How did that come about? Uh, it came about from uh, the same way that Lyric did, where my schedule got to a point where I wanted to expand uh, what I was offering to meet the, the demand. And yeah. so my coaching schedule would fill up and fill up and fill up. But I I knew that there were a lot of coaches um, offering fantastic things that um, we all sort of complement one another and what our emphasis is. Hmm. And like with Audio in Color, um, I just saw a need to diversify the coaching um, offerings in terms because we're trying to diversify the narrator base for the industry as well. Mm. And that means that um, if I am a narrator of color, I might want to work with a coach who just understands certain challenges that I might be facing in terms of mm-hmm. casting or being sort of put in a demographic box where I'm only offered this kind of book and how do I expand um, what I'm being offered by publishers or indie authors. So I made a very conscious effort to contact um, coaches who represented a number of different perspectives um, and who also, we refer to them as the faculty because except for one coach, I think, they all have experience teaching at the university level, uh, as I do. I taught at the university level in theater for 12 years. And so this is high caliber coaching, um, small group, individual self-study uh, as a course, and it's all offered through narrator.life. And I also, um, the other thing I wanted to do was make sure that the coaches were paid what they deserve to be paid because I have been invited to guest coach uh, through other organizations where I just get the feeling that the organization is taking the lion's share of what the students are paying. Mm-hmm. And if you have a website, <laughs> And the website is automated and it's not that expensive. Like why would I get most of what people are paying? Yeah. Um, So the coaches are, the coaches are happy. The narrators are happy. I'm happy. It's all good. I had, um, I had the pleasure of chatting to uh, Matthew Lloyd Davis on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I know he, he was uh, talking about his course um, on there and uh, he was saying how much he was looking forward to it and enjoying the process. Um, But it sounds fantastic. Now, your coaching is incredibly sought out uh, and, and popular among narrators of all levels. Could you could you run us through the types of coaching and, and lessons that you offer? Yes. Um, the, the lion's share of my work with narrators is with those who already are underway in their careers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I made sure that we had a beginning course offered through the site, but that is taught by Ann Richardson, who is wonderful with um, people who are just getting started. I tend to work with people who are a little ways in or even a lot ways in, and they've gotten to a bit of a ceiling and they can't figure out how to break through that ceiling to what they just, they feel there's something more out there that they want to do, whether it's expanding their client base or uh, expanding into different genres that they resonate with a little bit more. I love that sort of combination of business and performance problem solving. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be something that a lot of creatives need, but they need help to talk through it. So I would say um, the three points where people tend to start working with me. One, I offer um, a webinar before speed dating called Practice Your Pitch um, before APA speed dating. And there's one coming up in December. So that means I need to schedule one you know, for this month. Yeah. Um, so practice your pitch is one spot where people find me. Um, then there's another webinar that I run that's going to be a self-study course in 2023 called Broaden Your Base, which is pretty much what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to expand from ACX into publishers or I, I want to go to the next tier of publishers. How mm-hmm. do I do that? And then finally, for people who are well established and approaching burnout, um, because they've really hit a sweet spot and now they're too busy and they are worried that they're actually damaging their, their voice, their health. Um, I have a course that's already on the site called Time and Money. And it's a way to take inventory of how you are making use of those two things, those two mm-hmm. finite resources, um, to manage a sustainable career over yeah. years and not burn out. So I would say that's... That's kind of yeah. the world. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some really great uh, topics within that. Could you um, could you elaborate a little bit more on the practicing your pitch course? What do, what uh, could uh, those signing up for that expect from that class? Well, what they can expect is we go through um, how is the speed dating experience now that it's on Zoom, right? Mm. What are you going to experience? because mm. there's a lot of nerves. And so the more you have some knowledge of what, what's going to happen, how it's going to be, um, the more mastery you can have of that situation because it's such a short time, you know? Yeah. You're in the room and then you do something that you can't even remember because you're all on adrenaline and then it's over and you go, oh my gosh, what did I just do? So we talk about what is this experience going to be And then some people who are going to be on that speed dating actually practice. Mm -hmm. And we do the thing on Zoom where everyone turns off their camera and it makes them disappear. So you're just seeing yourself because that's how the speed dating process goes. You're there, you don't know who's watching. Yeah, You can really get in your head. So we run that simulation. Um, And then we let people practice what what they're going to say and we just brief critique this worked think about this and then we talk briefly about um you know the post pitch follow-up what are some things that you can do to to leverage that time Mm. so that there's ongoing communication that's not too much not too little um is your website ready you know all those kinds of things so that people can make the most of those magical three minutes 
Absolutely. It can, be, it can seem incredibly daunting, can't it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The audiobook community uh, is ever vast and growing, but I've had many people mention to me after listening to previous episodes of this show that they're just starting out on their narrator journey and, and don't really know how to get started to, and, and introduce themselves within the community. Have you any tips on where people can show their face if they're maybe not familiar with the regular hangout spots? Oh, well, there are so many more than there used to be. Mm. Uh, when I was coming into this industry over a decade ago, there were two Facebook groups and they were small enough that we all felt that we kind of knew each other. Yeah. And uh, those groups have gotten to the size and rancor that they're not as helpful and supportive as they used to be, or so mm. I'm told. Mm. So there are a lot of micro communities where people can show up. So um, getting back to narrator.life, every Friday at three o'clock Eastern US time, we have a one hour um, conversation called Friday Takeaways. People can ask questions. New narrators can absolutely raise their hands and ask questions. There are no stupid questions. Yeah. Um, there are Discord communities where people can create a Discord account and listen to live narration. And maybe when the narrator takes a break, uh, they can ask questions. There are still Facebook groups. I would really recommend that people do what I call lurk and learn. So don't come in hot with all the questions. Yeah. Lurk for like a good month. Check in every day for the first month. When you have a question, use the group search and see if anyone has asked the same question recently. Mm-hmm. Um, because then when you do ask a question, it's of a higher order. And yeah. it's more interesting and you're more likely to get response. Um, so, yeah, there are the social media water coolers. And thank goodness we're finally getting back to some in-person things. Um, and so there are in-person events that you can go to. Allure in Chicago recently happened. And there were a lot of narrators just starting out yeah. attending that. Um, so, yeah, um, I would say, you know, about the second year that you're pursuing this, an in-person event, carefully chosen, mm. uh, where there are going to be other narrators at your level, is a yeah. great idea. So how would one go about choosing a, um, an, an in-person event? Because obviously there's a little bit more of a, of a risk there for people, you know, especially if there's a lot of travel involved. Um, I know, um, you know, those of us in the UK, for example, there's not that many. There may be a few sort of pub meetups um, sort of organized, but there's not like the, the many of the sort of bigger events at the estate side. Um, so if I was talking to Matthew Davis about this, actually, um, and he was saying that he'd, you know, he made the leap and traveled over to the States um, to go to these events. Have you got any sort of tips on how we can, you know, how a, how a Brit like myself may sort of, you know, choose the one, you know, if I had a limited amount of, uh, of finance to get over there, how would I sort of choose which event would be sort of best place? Well, if you are in the romance genre, which um, can we just say is really holding up the entire publishing industry with its income right now, even though the Mm -hmm. publishing industry still sort of pats it on the head, it's incredibly lucrative. And if you're lucky enough to have a voice that suits romance um, Mm. and with a British accent, obviously the Regency, historical, um, there is actually an organization called Rare. And that stands for Romance Author and Reader Events. And Rare has um, 
2023, they're going to be in Melbourne, Australia. So I'm going there um, mm. to to meet with authors. Nice. But Rare has been in Paris, in Rome, Edinburgh, London, um, Madrid. So that is a very, you know, it's really been created in part to give authors a tax deductible way to travel overseas. <laughs> so very often the authors will do the event and then have a family vacation for the following week. Yeah. Very nice. You know? Yeah. So as somebody based in the UK or Europe, I would look at rare if you're interested in romance. If you are interested in other genres, you know, it doesn't have to be a big event. It could be as simple as a pub meetup that you say, you know, you say someplace that you like to go to that's convenient to you, you mm. declare a meetup and it happens. Mm. Um, you know, is it Morrison Ellis? Um, yeah, Morrison Neil Gardner from Ladbrook Audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have a regular clubhouse room. Why yeah. not throw out in that clubhouse room, hey, who else is in London Metro? Yeah. Uh, why can't we get together? Let's do it and make yeah. something happen. If there's one theme that sort of threads through my entire career, it's, you know, why not me? Like, yeah, I could make something happen that I want to happen. You are celebrated by the biggest publishers and distributors on, on the planet and have won the biggest awards possible for your work. Have you any advice to those listening about how to make a great impression as a narrator to authors, publishers and the like to better their chances on being asked back for more work? Uh, yes. Um, play the long game. Uh, I, I heard a, a wonderful small business saying a long time ago that you are not a hunter, you are a gardener. So it's not right. about seeing your target and picking it off. You know, it's really about nourishing over time and being mm -hmm. patient. And when you're working on whatever book it is that you're working on, you're doing your best work on deadline, being easy to communicate with, not being needy, mm. uh, giving as much as you get, and helping um, publicize that book to the extent that their their social media guidelines bless that sort of thing. Yeah, and not doing it if you're not supposed to. So, what whoever you're working with, be a team player. It's not about you, the star. It's about what can I do to support this thing that we are all creating together? And how can I nourish these relationships with these people? You know, they're not resources. It's not so transactional. How can I nourish long-term relationships with these people? Hmm. So I think that's, that's a piece of advice that I could give. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the, the fact that you go in with it knowing you know, wholeheartedly that it is a collaboration and it wouldn't be happening with any of the people uh, there is is so important. One of the areas that I find so fascinating to chat about um, is actually pre-production, um, because although working toward the same end, narrators' processes can differ so greatly. Would you tell us about how you tackled pre-production and what the typical prep stage looks like for you? Uh, if the if the product listing is already up somewhere, either on the publisher's site or on Amazon or Goodreads or somewhere. Hmm. The first thing that I like to do is look up that book, especially the cover. Hmm. 
how is this book going to be marketed? So for example, an upcoming release that I've already recorded is called the, Sun the Sunshine Girls by Molly Fader. And you look at that cover and it's a, sort of an aqua blue and it's got two women in very 1960s looking bathing suits um, sitting on the cover, you know, mm. with their sunglasses on looking all stylish. And that tells me, you know, a whole lot about the tone of this book, the subject of this book. And then I read the blurb mm. and authors spend a whole lot of time in tears on getting that blurb just right. So how is this book going to be going to catch the listener or catch the reader? What is their expectation going into this book? What is this book really about at its, at its root? Mm. Then, of course, I want to read through the book and understand who are the main characters? How do they shift and change throughout the story? What are the climactic moments? Um, what are the expectations that need to be built up so that when the shift happens, it, it, the listener fe really feels it. Hmm. And obviously things like, does anyone have an accent? Um, what are people's backgrounds? What are the clues to character conflict and, uh, all that good stuff that we learned in English class, <laughs> about, <laughs> you know, the inciting incident and the, yeah. you know, crisis, the climax, the denouement, the resolution. Yeah all that good stuff. Fantastic. How much time do you sort of generally sort of put aside for, for prep? Well, ideally I have, um, you know, a whole day before I have to get into the booth where throughout the day I can kind of snack on those little bits mm. of information and let it percolate and let it, let it set. But there have been times when it's time, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, where is the PDF? I had today slotted for this book. Where is the yeah. script? It shows up at 930. I had 10 o'clock slated to record and I have to do what uh, I call a speed prep where if it's romance, I know they're going to live happily ever after, but what's the, what's the problem? What's the yeah. misunderstanding um, that they take into this relationship? And then all the other things about accent and character and, you know, did the author yeah. send me notes? Um, yeah. Sometimes it's like running a relay race where you, you get the baton and you're already, you got to start running. Has narrating, you know, obviously so many books over, over the years, has it changed the way that you read, you know, in your personal life for pleasure? Uh, yes, in the sense that I mostly read in audio because then I can be outside moving my body. Yeah. <laughs> and not just sitting on a couch, yeah. like sitting in a chair narrating. Yeah. Um, and it takes me forever to get through a printed book. So um, there is a wonderful book called Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu that I finally finished this past summer at the beach. I started it in 2020. And now I found out it's going to be a TV series, which is perfect oh, because it's yeah. written in screenplay format. Being a narrator, narrating um, can often be a very solitary pursuit. Um, and can occasionally, you know, get. I hope this isn't just me saying this, but it can be. It can get quite lonesome occasionally, you know, if this, if you're only interacting with people over email or, or you know, at best Zoom. Um, if and uh, you know, it can be sometimes a little solitary. Um, do you have any? Do you, first of all, do you do you find that in your own, um, in your own goings on? And have you, you know, come up with any sort of daily sort of rituals to to cope with that? Well, um, I don't mind solitude. I like it. I like quiet. 
Um, I was an only child, so <laughs> okay, yeah. it doesn't bother me. I don't get antsy. Yeah. Uh, Discord has been great. Sometimes if I need to stay focused and, and uh, not be tempted to multitask, I'll open mm -hmm. a Discord session uh, as I did yesterday and feel like I'm reading to two or three people. And it sort of keeps me from having long silences yeah. <laughs> because I'm thinking of them listening. Yeah. Um, regular travel to visit friends, I think, has been the great thing. So just uh, Monday, we got back from two weeks in uh, Las Vegas and uh, Southern California. Nice. And I, I peopled, I peopled to the point where I was like ready to be back in my solitude again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that very much. Yeah, I think um, I, I often chat with my, my partner's a teacher. So she's um, off with, you know, small children every day for, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. Um, and uh, yeah, I sometimes think when she comes back with her, all her tales and tells me them, I often think, oh, thank goodness, I'm just in the booth. And that's all that's all there is to it. Now, there aren't uh, there aren't many narrators and folks in our industry who aren't familiar with your work. Did you set out to grow your brand with specific steps? And if so, have you any advice on how narrators can help get their name and work out there? Did I set out to grow my brand with specifics? I just wanted to work. Okay. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, no, I didn't. I really didn't. Okay. Um, I think it was, you know, here's an opportunity. What am I going to do? Here's an mm -hmm. opportunity. What am I going to do? And over time, learning how to trust my intuition uh, as to what might seem like a good idea, but having the experience of knowing, uh, if I say yes to this, I kind of see what's going to happen. And mm. that comes with experience. Mm. But the first time that I was involved in an Audi-nominated project, uh, it was a, actually a short story fiction collection, not a romance. <laughs> um, and it was produced by Bill DeFries. Again, this is the Bill DeFries episode. <laughs> probably laughing up in heaven. Um, but um, I remember telling my family, you know, I got some champagne for me and my husband and some sparkling apple cider for my girls who were still young at that time and a little cake. And I had a little family party celebration. And one of my daughters said, but mom, you said that would never happen. And I said, well, I know, but it has happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so now uh, behind me, they're kind of behind those boxes of things, but they're- Oh yeah. There are four Audi Awards back there, three for narrating and one for producing. So, um, you know, I'm so joyful that those things have happened, but I also recognize how many books our industry has produced and how many award-worthy titles and narrators there are. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of mystifying how that all happened. I'm glad that it happened, but I don't, you know, I don't know that it changes how I work day to day. I think you're a lot more graceful than I am. If I had Audi Awards, I would be holding them constantly for the rest of, for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's a really, really exciting and wonderful honor. Um, and yeah. 2017 was uh, the year when I won two of them, one for erotica and one for romance. Yeah. And 
that was heady. I'm not going to lie. That was wonderful. It's fantastic. It's really inspiring as well. Um, yeah, just fantastic. I have one final question to ask you, if that's okay. Um, is there any upcoming projects that you're working on right now that we can look forward to that you could perhaps tell us about? Well, let me look at my schedule. Um, I'm about to do another Kylie Scott um, title. I, I need to count up how many there have been now. This is maybe 19 or 20 <laughs> of the books that I've done with her. Um, and it's called End of Story. And it's one of the titles that she is releasing through a publisher as far as how the audio goes. Um, and I'm just going to be starting on that next week. When Susie Bowen inherits a charming fixer-upper, she's excited to start living her best HGTV life. But when she opens the door to find that her contractor is none other than her ex's best friend Lars, the same man who witnessed her humiliating breakup six months ago, she isn't exactly eager to have him around. The sooner this renovation is done, the sooner Susie can get back to embracing her single life. But this is the twist. Things go from awkward to unbelievable when Lars knocks down a wall and discovers a divorce certificate dated 10 years in the future with both their names on it. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that is a twist. Yeah. My goodness. So did you say you're just about to record this? Oh, so when will it be? When, when will we get to know? <laughs> when can we find uh, <laughs> <laughs> it? comes out Valentine's Day of 2023. Ooh. We'll get that in the calendar. That <laughs> I'm really intrigued. <laughs> now, just before we uh, we go, um, is there anywhere that you would like to direct anybody to? Any particular, you know, sort of events or, or, or dates or anything like that? Uh, let's see. I will be teaching in Nashville, Tennessee in February of 2023, early the first Saturday of February. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to narrator.life to learn all about the coaching opportunities. And you can go to andyarnt.com um, to check out more about me, my portfolio. There's a contact us form there. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to contact me for any reason, um, I, I would direct people to the contact form at my website. Fantastic. And that just about does it for this episode of the Audiobook Club. All relevant links to social media accounts and, of course, links to narrator.life and Andy's coaching will be available in the show notes. Andy, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you, John. The time has flown. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.